This is the anthem. Here's what you came for. This is the moment. Magic was made for. Hello there. Welcome back to Fanfatals. Take a ride with us on the Hogwarts Express. Walk down Main Street with our best super pals. And defy gravity as we talk about all things fandom. Welcome back to Fan Fatalis, a member of the Real Fans Podcast Network. I'm Emma. And I'm Gabby. And uh, happy Black History Month. We yes. wanted to take some time to talk about some of the most prominent Black Star Wars characters uh, to celebrate and honor a Black History Month. And this is going to be including uh, Lando Calrissian, um, Jedi, Addy Galia? Galia, yeah, right? I'm pretty sure, yeah. yeah. And these are not all Mace of them. Wind- these are just like some of the highlights that we'll get to. Yeah, uh, Mace Windu, Moff Gideon, Finn, and Jana. Yes. And for the women, I got most of the information from the Women of the Galaxy book that I have that I've used before for episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, except for, I believe, Jana, because the book came out before Rise of Skywalker, and she was introduced in Rise of Skywalker. Yes. So, yeah, everything else was Wikipedia. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so then there's also the third sister from uh, Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan. And yeah. obviously, like, it hadn't come out yet when the book came out. So yes. that one's also from Wikipedia. So I'm going to go ahead and get started. And we're going to talk about uh, Lando Calrissian first. Uh, yes. Because, like, he's, like, the most iconic out of all of yeah. them. Maybe, maybe Finn is, like, getting up there, like, in I popularity. I also tried and- when I was making this timeline, like in order of when they were first introduced like yeah not timeline order in the movies but timeline order in like history yeah if that makes any sense yeah it makes sense okay so so starting with lando calrissian again like i said like again a very iconic role most people you know you know Um, so his first appearance was in The Empire Strikes Back, and he was portrayed by Billy D. Williams in episodes four, five, and six, and he also did every voiceover role for, for Lando. And mm-hmm. then in Solo, it he was played by Donald Glover, which yes. he did a really good job. I think he really evoked the Billy D. Williams spirit. Yeah, I really liked him as, um, Lando Calrissian. He was great. I agree. I agree. It was, like, exactly what you pictured, you know? Yeah. So, um, Lando was born on Socorro, and he was the original owner of the Millennium Falcon before losing it to Han Solo in a game of Sabacc on Namudian Prime. Afterwards, Calrissian put an end to his days as a smuggler and became an entrepreneur, setting up a small mining operation on the planet Lothal before everything excuse me, before eventually becoming the leader of Cloud City in the skies of the planet Bespin. Um, During the Galactic Civil War, Darth Vader arrived on Cloud City to lay a trap for his son, Luke Skywalker. Um, So as part of the trap, Darth Vader uh, forced Calrissian into tricking a group of rebels, including Solo and Princess Leia Organa, leading them to Vader himself. So... Vader promised to leave Cloud City without an Imperial presence, and Calrissian felt that the deal had been altered to the point where he could no longer tolerate it. Calrissian alerted his citizens to the Galactic Empire's presence and impending occupation and ordered an evacuation. So, um, Lando helped the rebels try to rescue Han Solo, who had been frozen in carbonite, um, from the bounty hunter Boba Fett, but unfortunately Boba Fett escaped um, before they could get to him, but they did eventually get Han Solo, right? Because, you know, he's not frozen in yeah. the rest of the movies. Yeah. Um, 
So uh, Calrissian then joined the Rebel Alliance and set out to find Han Solo. And after locating him in the Palace of Jabba the Hutt on Tatooine, Calrissian aided in his rescue. The rebels returned to the fleet and Calrissian became a general, volunteering to lead the assault on the DS-2 Death Star 2 mobile battalion station during the Battle of Endor. During this battle, he piloted the Millennium Falcon into the battle station's core, firing the shot which destroyed it. After the Galactic Civil War, he embarked on a quest of the desert planet of Pasana with Luke Skywalker to find answers about the growing darkness in the Force, but they failed to uncover anything. Seeking to bury the, plane of, the pain of these memories, Calrissian settled on Pasana and led a solitary lifestyle where he was known as the Hermit to the Akiaki of the Lurch Canyon. In 35 ABY, Lando helped the Resistance and reunited with his old friend, Chewbacca! Woo! <laughs> um, Calrissian played one more role in the fight for galactic freedom as he brought an assembled citizens' fleet to reinforce the Resistance at the Battle of Exegol, from which the Resistance emerged victorious. Yes, and I know that he's getting a series, I think, at some point. I think that's, like, one of the announced ones. Yeah, I, I kind of remember them announcing that they were working on that a few years ago. And the rumors are that it's going to involve Janna, who we'll get to later. Because at mm-hmm. the end, he's like, let's figure out where you're from. Because she's one of the other stormtroopers that have been stolen by the yeah. First Order. So I'm interested to see where their little adventure takes us. Yeah, me too. So now we're going to go into the 90s with a lot of characters introduced in um, The Phantom Menace. The first yeah. one being Captain Panaka. Um, he is was portrayed by Hugh Corshi from in um, The Phantom Menace, as I said earlier. Um, and his story is, by 32 BBY, Panaka served under the 14-year-old Queen Padme Amidala of um, the planet Naboo whose safety was, um, he was personally entrusted with because he knew his world was vulnerable to planetary assaults. Panaka advocated for stronger security measures, but the Queen's Advisory Council convinced her otherwise. That year... Really quick. Yeah. Really quick. We've both, we've both mentioned years, like ABY and BBY. Just to yeah. clarify, ABY is after Battle of Yavin, and BBY is before Battle of Yavin. Yeah, so A New Hope. Yeah. Yes, um, basically. And also, the stronger security measures include the handmaidens, which was something yeah. that um, on the planet of Naboo they had had in the past to protect the queen, and then they kind of got rid of with it when there wasn't a need for it. But when Padme was entrusted to him, he was like, no. And like personally mm-hmm. chose each one for yep. a different skill. Honestly, um, speaking of the handmaidens, one of my favorite bloopers is when in um, Attack of the Clones, when there's like the, the thing and they're running into her room <laughs> and uh, Kira Knightley accidentally trips Hayden Christensen. <laughs> Hayden Christensen? Clone Wars? Yeah. She was only in Phantom. Kira Knightley. Okay, then whoever the handmaiden was that was pretending to be Kira Knightley. Okay. I don't because, know. I, you can't really tell who it is. Yeah. Um, because Sabe, and this is Queen's book, whatever Padme book it was, Sabe kind of retires after Padme is done being queen. So she gets, oh, okay. like, three new handmaidens with Attack of the Clones. One of them. One of the, one of the girls I forget who plays them. Yeah. One of them, one of them accidentally trips Hayden Christensen and it cracks me up. It is like the funniest thing. He like slides and face plants on the floor. <laughs> also, Captain Panaka, he kind of retires after she becomes queen, um, just like Sabe did. And his wife takes over as the head like security officer for Padme when she becomes senator. Oh, that's cool. In the book, um, which I found really cool. I couldn't find much information about her besides like what's in the queen book or the senator book of the padme books but yeah mm-hmm. um that year so in 32 bby um the shipping and trade conglomerate known as the trade federation decided to 
blockade and invade Naboo in retaliation to the taxation of the free trade zone voted by the Republic's Galactic Senate. Tanaka fled the planet, accompanying Queen Amidala to Tatooine and then Coruscant before ultimately returning to Naboo to help liberate their home world. Um, he remained in Amidala's service, although their relationship grew cold as Tanaka became more paranoid after the invasion. Nonetheless, his respect for Padme remained high, and like his wife, he voted for Amidala to lead a third term despite it being impossible. Because queens can only run for two terms, and they're, mm -hmm. I think, believe, two years. Mm -hmm. So, they were trying to get her a third because the people in Naboo really liked her. Yeah. And she was like, no. Because she knew it's the right thing. Yeah. Um, Tanaka stayed with Amidala and her handmaidens during their stay at Kino, which is actually the same, like, castle area that Padme and Anakin hide out on. Like, that same, mm -hmm. like, lakeside area. Fun fact. During her final days as queen, watching over them as they swim in the nearby ocean and joked that his wife um, would no longer recognize him because of how happy he was and not Aww. stressed out. Um... And when her two terms were over, Panaka stepped down from his function as um, her personal bodyguard. Now we're going to jump to the, after the end of the Clone Wars, um, Panaka remained loyal to the newly anointed emperor, and he was made moff or governor of his native Tommel sector. Um, in 3 BBY, Panaka briefly met with Queen Dalane of the Naboo, uh, of the planet of Naboo, um, and Leia Organa, who was age uh, um, 16 years old, who was Princess of Alderaan at the time, at his chalet. And as soon as he saw her, her being Leia, the moth was struck by the image of Organa wearing a Naboo jubilation dress, which strongly reminded him of Queen Amidala, who had worn the same dress decades prior. Aww. Yeah. Um, by the end of the meeting, Panaka came to suspect that Leia Organa was, in fact, the long-lost daughter of the late Padme Amidala, which she was um, indeed, obviously. Yeah. Um, although the moth intended to warn the Emperor of his findings, as soon as his visitors were gone, he did not have time, as a bomb exploded in his chalet, destroying the building and killing him in the process. As Bail Organa later found out, the, the bomb was planted by Saw Guerrera's team and, like, rebels. Hmm. So, like, sad story for him, but, I mean, he got to see Padme, like, Leia all grown up. Yeah. That is Because he would have seen Padme at age 16, because that would have been the start of her second term. Yeah. Aw. Yeah. It's really sad. Sad one. So, moving on to one of my favorites... <laughs> Um, we're going to talk about Mace Windu. Yeah. His first appearance was in The Phantom Menace, and he was portrayed by Samuel Jackson in yes. episodes three, four, and five. Um, or sorry, sorry, uh, one, two, one, and three. Two and three. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where that came from. One, two, and three. Um, and I don't yeah. know who voiced him in The Clone Wars. I couldn't find anything about that. Maybe it was Samuel Jackson. It sounds a lot it like might. him. It might be. I just didn't know if it was or not. I honestly wouldn't be surprised if it was. Yeah, according to Wikipedia, there's only been one Mace Windu, and it's Samuel L. Jackson, so, so he voiced yeah. it. <sighs> Sorry. During his time in the Jedi Order, he once served as an elected leader of the Jedi, and during the Clone Wars as a Jedi general and the Grand Army in the Grand Army of the Republic. He was the greatest champion of the Jedi Order and promoted its ancient traditions amidst the growing influence of the dark side of the Force in the corrupt declining days of the Republic. When the Separatist crisis spawned the birth of the Confederacy of Independent Systems and sparked the Clone Wars, Windu and the Jedi rallied to the defense of the Republic and became leaders of the Grand Army of the Republic. Throughout the war, Windu served the Jedi in the Republican, excuse me, in the Republic in various <laughs> capacities on the battlefield in command of the clone army, 
on Coruscant as an overseer of the war effort and an advisor to Supreme Chancellor Sheev Palpatine, and even as a diplomat to uh, contested worlds, despite his disdain of politics. His exploits on the front line served as a reminder of his reputation as a renowned Jedi warrior. As the war drew to a close, Windu became increasingly suspicious of the Chancellor's motives as, as Palpatine had amassed near dictatorial. I can't say this word. Dictatorial. Near dictatorial. Dictatorial, right? Yeah, dictatorial. Okay. So, so basically, Palpatine was a full blown dictator. Um, yeah. And. And, uh, you know, Mace Windu, he was all, don't like that. I, I, I know I can see the dark side in you. Bad, bad. Shame, shame. I know your name. Um, what? I'm just laughing at you. Me? A, yeah. Mace Windu's suspicions were confirmed when Anakin Skywalker, you know, who we all know. Yeah. Um, discovered that Palpatine was Darth Sidious, the Dark Lord of the Sith, who manipulated and deceived the Republic and the Separatist Alliance into the war in the first place. Windu, yeah. along with Jedi Masters Kit Fisto, um, Sassy Tin, and, oh, jeez, Ajin Kolar? Ajin Kolar? Sure. I don't think, I don't, th I don't even know who that is. I don't either. It's the other guy that isn't Kit Fisto. We're race window. It's one of the two other guys that are there. <laughs> like, you know Kit Fisto. You know Ace Windu. The other you two. You know Kit Fisto. <laughs> you know the Star Wars. You know the Star Wars <laughs> fandom. Oh, jeez. Um, so the four of them confronted Palpatine with the intention of arresting him. But instead, the Dark Lord attacked them, striking them down one by one until only Windu remained. Windu bested Palpatine in the confrontation and, deciding the Chancellor was too dangerous to be left alive due to his influence over the government, prepared to strike him down. But the intervention of Anakin Skywalker, who betrayed Windu, saved the Chancellor's life and led to Windu's death as he fell out the window in the most anticlimactic ending ever. Yeah. So I cannot <laughs> tell. I just looked up a picture from that scene and I literally cannot tell which one is which of the other two. Like, I can tell Kit Fisto and... Let me see, let me see. Sorry, Kara, we are going way off topic. This Not is really. very on topic, I believe. Like, We're going to post Kit this Fisto. on the Instagram. Yeah, Kid Fisto. For sure. Mace Windu. Duh. The other two? No idea. Click on him, click on him, see if anything comes up. <laughs> <laughs> Also, you wonder what this article is from? It's from Fox News, and it says, UK job office apologizes for anti-Jedi discrimination. It's I saw that. years ago. It can't be real. I'm now curious what this is. Oh, my gosh. Oh. What? This guy who... um. He was refusing to remove his hood from, like, a job center who, like, threw him out. And his reasoning was He's a he Jedi? was a member of the International Church of Jediism. Oh, man. I'm so curious about this International Church of Jediism. I wonder if you can get ordained. Jedichurch.org. It is a can website. You get can you get ordained as a Jedi church at the Jedi Church? Can you marry people as a Jedi? I hope so. That would be hilarious. Could you imagine if you were at somebody's wedding and they were like, by the power vested in me, as given to me by the Jedi Church? There's a branch in Missouri. No. There's a branch in Anaheim. Stop it. This is so off topic. <laughs> the Jedi doctor. <gasps> marriages. Marriages is on here. <laughs> Under alert. Ah! Can you get ordained? 
We allow any of our ordained ministers to marry Jedis under the Jedi religion. However, you will need a license from your government for this to be recognized by law. Ah. This means that if you are already a marriage officiant, that all you need to do is be certified by our church. Does then they have the New Zealand ordained... marriage rules, Scottish marriage rules. Does this mean if somebody is ordained as a minister or as a officiant or whatever that they can officially get approved by the Jedi Church to do Jedi wedding ceremonies? Yeah. Do you want to see the vows? Yeah, kind of. <laughs> Here we go. I found shot in my wedding <laughs> I think this is it. Can I perform it? Can I like be your? Can I be your? Can I be your maid of honor, but also perform your wedding? Oh my god! <laughs> Just sends this to Sean with no context. I think you should, literally, no context. Just send. I'm gonna send it. I'm gonna send it to Zach. Voter right demographic. Now. Hold on, I can see the demographic of the Jedi Church. This is so off topic for this episode. It so is. I want to learn more about the Jedi Church, though. Oh, Jedi Church ordinations. They do not offer any. Ah! <laughs> they say they do not offer any. Um... It should okay let's get let's get we need to stop <laughs> this website looks like it was made on like it looks Ooh. like a website that would be on the big bang theory i just finished a rewatch of that show yeah i'm this, surprised this... It... you know what would be funny huh speaking of big bang theory um they have mark hamill uh, um, officiate their wedding. Yeah. What if they got married in the Church of the Jedi? The Jedi by Mark. By Hamill? Mark Hamill in that show. I think I think Mark Hamill and the original. I think everybody who's in the cast who was a Jedi is automatically ordained as a. I would like to think so. Exactly. Automatically ordained in the Church of Jedi. Oh my God! Let's get back on topic. We said that like five times. Let's actually do it. <laughs> Why don't we talk about another Jedi that was introduced um, in The Phantom Menace as well? There's a lot who are. Well, that we're going to talk about today. There's only two. Okay. Besides um, Reva is her name, the Inquisitor Lady from Obi-Wan. Yeah. Um, So Jedi Adi Gallia, her first appearance was also in The Phantom Menace, and she was portrayed by Jen Clark. And this is actually from the book, the Women of the Galaxy book that I found. Yeah. Um, Adi Gallia um, was born to diplomats on Coruscant, and the distinctive headdress she wears is a tribute to her Tolothian heritage. Sure. And the Jedi Order perceived Adi's connection to the Force and brought her to the Jedi Temple. An astute observer, she raises suspicion about the Trade Federation's enterprises in the Naboo system during her time serving on the Jedi Council. Investigation of the Federation's blockage of Naboo brings Queen Amidala into the Star Wars galaxy and makes the Council aware of the increasing Separatist threat. Adi's also unafraid of a fight, balancing her use of the Force and what it means to be a Jedi with an aggression toward Separatist enemies. Throughout her appearances in the Clone Wars television series, she puts herself in the middle of action whether it's developing a high-risk but successful plan to rescue Jedi Master Eeth Koth from General Grievous's metal clutches, evading Grievous herself, or helping Obi-Wan search for Darth Maul and Savage Opress in the Outer Rim. That is definitely supposed to be Rim and not Room. <laughs> I don't know. I notes. like Outer Room. Yeah. No more Outer Rim. Outer Room. <laughs> Yeah. She has a blue lightsaber. Yes. Oh, we forgot to mention, Mace Windu's is purple, and he is the only one who is purple. Um, and what 
now people are saying like because you know how each fiber crystal has like a different meaning yeah like blue is more like warriors and green is more like astute in the force mm -hmm. purple is a like a perfect balance between light and dark makes sense yeah I like that they're using that reasoning instead of just Samuel Jackson wanted to be special. wanted a purple lightsaber and yeah. wanted to be special. Yeah. Hey, he was the first, like, really named and main character black um, Jedi. This is true. He gets whatever he wants. Because he's Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah. He gets what he wants or he walks. Okay, moving on. Next, we're going to be talking about Saw Gerrera, and his first appearance was in The Clone Wars, but his first live-action appearance was in Solo. Yes. Um, he was portrayed by Andrew Kishino in The Clone Wars, um, but by Forrest Whitaker in the live-action, as well as um, the voice actor for Rebels and Bad Batch. Yeah, so basically after his live-action appearance, they were like, by Andrew, we just went Forrest. Yeah. So, in the early resistance against the Separatist Alliance on Onderon. Onderon, that's right. Okay. Guerrera and his fellow soldiers. I was like, is that supposed to say that? Or is that supposed to say Alderon? I'm no, not it's Onderon. Sure. Okay. I think they're in the same, like, part of Area. the galaxy. I could be wrong about that. But they're two different planets, and they had a really bad deal with Separatists. Got it. So, um, in the early resistance against the Separatist alliance on Onderon, Guerrera and his fellow soldiers were outnumbered and outgunned by the Separatist droid army. They requested help from the Jedi High Council, which led the Grand Army of the Republic in its fights against the Separatists, but the Jedi Order chose not to become actively involved in the fighting on Onderon. Instead, they sent a team of advisors, Generals Anakin Skywalker and Obi-Wan Kenobi, Commander Ahsoka Tano, and clone Captain Rex uh, to train the Onderonian fighters. Uh, the Jedi and Captain Rex taught them the proper techniques and strategies for taking on the battle droid army. And though their efforts, the rebels began, and through their efforts, the, the rebels began to turn the tide. Mm -hmm. I always get those two words mixed up. Um... Guerrera came to resent that the rebels chose Stila, his sister, as their leader, and he was soon captured in an ill-concocted ill solo effort to rescue the deposed King Ramses Dendup from the Separatists. I remember this episode now. Yeah. That's what I don't it think took. I talk oh, yeah. We did talk about what happened to um, Stila. Yeah. That's what it took for me to remember this episode. Now I remember. Okay. Yeah. It's like, uh, what, season, like, three or four? Yeah, it's pretty, it's, it's like, like, middle. Yeah. Ahsoka's now, like, in her, like, actual dress, not tube top and miniskirt. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, they were both rescued by the Rebels, who eventually mounted a final battle against the Separatists. Through their efforts, the Rebels liberated their world and returned to Dendup, and returned Dendup to the throne. The fight, however, came at a personal cost. Stila was killed during the final battle, and Guerrero was left to mourn his sister, feeling responsible for her death. At the end of the Clone Wars, the Republic was transformed into the Galactic Empire. Horrified, Guerrera and his fellow, fellow Onderonians resisted the Empire. And the Empire, despite the fact that saw... Oh, the okay. Empire basically, like, branded them as insurgents. Yeah. And this is um, one of the first Bad Batch episodes, and he, um, they are like, we're not going to fight them, like... Yeah. We fought alongside them, or the Republic fought alongside them. So yeah. then they evaded capture and, like, continued to fight. Yeah. So, why? Okay. During this time, Saw relocated Imperial scientist Galen Urso, his wife Lyra, and their daughter Jin, um, to the uninhabited planet of Lamu, where... When Orson Krennic, an old friend of Galen's, discovered their location and took Galen away and killed Lyra. Uh, Saw traveled to Lamu, adopted Jin, and raised her. 
all while claiming she was his own daughter. Guerrero mm-hmm. fought against the imperial military and led a resistance group known as the Partisans, a militant, or- militant organization that some considered an extremist organization with terrorism tactics and operated under the codename Stoneface. His resistance cell, a continuation of his Onderonian resistance, was one of the first in a group of cells that formed the Rebel Alliance. He was later involved in the early campaigns of the Rebel Alliance, by which time his more extreme tactics had come to stand in stark contrast with those of Alliance leaders Bail Organa and Mon Mothma. Guerrera eventually cut ties with Organa and Mothma, who viewed him as a militant and extremist. Having learned that the Empire's massive kyber crystal had come from Jeddah, Saw and the Partisans based their operation there. After the capture of an Imperial ensign, Bodhi Rook, who claimed that the Empire was building a planet killer, Saw was reunited with Jin, whom the Alliance had sent to meet with him. Since Rook had sent him a message from Jin's father, Guerrera showed it to her, which revealed that the Empire was constructing the planet-killing superweapon called the Death Star. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, as the message played, however, the Death Star struck Jeddah City and destroyed it. As the ripple of the explosion reached them, Gera told Jin that he was done running and stayed at the base and was killed in the aftermath of the blast. Another sad ending for... I know. Very sad. Yeah. Um. So the next one is Val, whose first appearance was in Solo, A Star Wars Story. Um, she was portrayed by... Bandawee Newton? Sure. Um, proficient, capable, yearning, present. Um, actress Sandy Newton uses these words to um, describe Val, her character in Solo, A Star Wars Story. Tough, cool, and practiced with explosives, Val is the lieutenant of Tobias Beckett's criminal crew in his paramour. But she doesn't let her love for Beckett stop her from calling him out when she thinks he's made a dumb move. Like the decision to bring Han Solo and Chewbacca into an important job when they had only just met them. Val is not here to tolerate anyone's nonsense. She's all about getting the job done. And she won't waste time putting on a sunny um, disposition to make others feel better. She's loyal to her team, yes, but also to herself. And that means she won't put on an act. And... She doesn't share personal details besides the fact that she was named after a valacord, a musical instrument, so it's not clear how her background may or may not inform her cynical attitude and belief. Yeah, and that's really all we know. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So next we're moving on to Moff Gideon, whose first appearance was in The Mandalorian. For those listeners at home, I'm wearing my Mandalorian sweatshirt today. It's got all the little Mandalorian hoods on the sleeves, and it's very cozy, comfy. Um, So Moff Gideon was portrayed by Giancarlo Esposito, who we've talked about a lot recently. He's been, like, kicking it ever since the the Mandalorian. um, He's one of, like, four Mandalorian actors coming to Megacon Orlando, actually. And we'll talk about another one literally next. Yeah. He's, like, kicking booty. Loves Giancarlo Esposito. Um, So, his story. He was a warlord following the Galactic Civil War, and he led an imperial remnant of the Galactic Empire in the Outer Rim. Gideon valued power and knowledge and was a patriot of the Galactic Empire and worked for its restoration while also being imposing and ruthless, even willing to kill others to achieve his goals. Gideon took part in the Great Purge of Mandalore, where he was responsible for killing millions and acquired the legendary Mandalorian weapon known as the Darksaber. He was widely believed to have been executed for war crimes in the aftermath. Around 9 ABY, the Galactic Empire ceased to exist. However, many soldiers, officials, and other loyalists rallied around its banner. Gideon, who was in fact alive, was amongst these and led an Imperial Remnant, where he sought out a high-value asset known as Grogu, originally yeah. known as the child, but then we figured out his name was Grogu, and everybody yeah. loves him, and he's the cutest little baby everybody just yeah. wants to love. I don't have him anywhere near my desk right now. I was about to grab one. Mine's way in my bedroom. <laughs> I'm sure we're seeing things on my desk, but not. Yeah. Maybe Yoda. No Grogu. 
Oh wait, he's on the back of my sweatshirt. Ah! See? There you go. So, anyway, everybody loves Grogu. You guys don't mm -hmm. need me to explain who he is. You know. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, after Din Djarin, a Mandalorian bounty hunter went rogue and rescued Grogu from the detachment of Gideon's forces on Navarro, the Moff took an active role in acquiring the child. He was eventually successful when his dark troopers captured Grogu on Tython, and upon... Din Djarin's effort to rescue Grogu, he was defeated in combat and attempted suicide, but he was knocked out and detained, leaving the Darksaber to Din. And mm -hmm. uh, after the assault on his cruiser, Gideon went off to set off to the New Republic for interrogation and trial. And Luke Skywalker was like, do, 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 do. I trained the child now. And Din Djarin yeah. was like, okay, I guess. <laughs> and then Book of Boba Fett happened. Yeah. But before that, Grief Karga is next. Um, his first appearance was also in The Mandalorian. He was portrayed by Carl Weathers, who was the other actor coming to Metacon Orlando. Of the characters we're talking about today, at least. Yeah. Um, shortly after the collapse of the Galactic Empire, um, Grief Karga operated as an agent of the Bounty Hunters Guild. Um, Karga's accounting was handled by the Mithral, since his days as a polywog. So he eventually decided to steal some of Karga's money and run? What? The, the Mithral. Oh. Though they eventually decided to steal some of Karga's money and run. The Mithral thus became indebted to Karga. And around no, the Mithral's nine... not an organization. The Mithral's a little thing. <gasps> yes, you're right. Well, I guess it's not little. Hold on. Uh, here. It's the it's the blue guy. The blue guy. I was totally wrong. <gasps> yes. 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 I remember him. Okay. Now I do, too. Okay. The yeah. blue fishy guy. Yeah. That, like, Din Djarin kills in the first, like, five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> um... In around 9 ABY, he met with the bounty hunter named Din Djarin in a cantina to accept four bounties the hunter had captured. Um, Djarin then refused to accept payment in Imperial credits, forcing Karga to pay him in Kalamari Flan, after which he told of an unusual job from individ an individual known as the Client associated with an Imperial remnant. Karga was pleased when um, Din Djarin completed the job, and after congratulating him, um, gave him a new bounty to hunt down. However, Din Djarin had a change of heart and decided to rescue the bounty, a small child named Grogu, earlier, um, whom he had originally delivered to the client. Um, Karga then led a group of other guild members in confronting Din Djarin and trying to reclaim the child, but ultimately, the hunters were overwhelmed when Din Djarin's tribe joined the battle. Grave Cargo fled that. and... What? I remember that. That was, like, intense. Yeah. And he was like, I want a jetpack. Wait, did yeah, you get jetpacks? Yeah. <laughs> that's when he saw... That's when, uh, um, uh, freaking what's-her-name had, had the jetpack. He was like, I want one. The armor? <laughs> no, what's-her-name? Bo-Katan! Yes. And now we've named crew. all four characters that are from the Mandalorian that are appearing at Megacon Orlando because it's the yeah. armor, the two of them, and Bo-Katan. 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 Yeah. Bo-Katan, Bo-Katan. I say both. Uh, um, but Grief Karga fled and confronted Din Djarin alone in his gunship, the Razor Crest. But the bounty hunter outwitted Karga and shot him off the ship and escaped. Um, the angered client took over Karga City in retaliation for losing his prize. Um, this prompted Karga to seek Din Djarin's aid in liberating the planet he, um, despite his betrayal of the guild. Um, after planning to betray him, Karga had a change of heart and ended up fighting with Din Djarin. Um, they planned to kill the client, but the plan went awry and the client was killed by Moff Gideon. After being surrounded by Gideon and his Imperial Remnant, 
Karga escaped to the Lava Flats, where he was once again attacked by Gideon. However, Gideon was defeated by Dinjarin, and Karga offered him a place in the guild again. Dinjarin refused, and his other companion, Caradun, accepted the offer to become his personal enforcer, with Karga becoming the High Magistrate. Yeah. So that's the last we've seen of him, for a while at least. For now. For, for now. now. For now. Season three is coming. True. You need to watch Book of Boba Fett if you haven't before. Him. I know. <laughs> You're like the fifth person to tell me. Okay. You're also you the first Finn. person to tell me. Yeah. You can do Finn, and then I'll do Jana and Vimerati, and then you can do Reva. Okay. Sounds good. Because Vi is my girl. I love Vi. Okay. That's fine. Plus, the other two are short. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Moving on. Everybody's favorite stormtrooper, Finn. Woo! <laughs> so I his first him. appearance. Uh, a lot of people do. I do too. He's a good one. He's, a, mm-hmm. he's just a bean. He's mm-hmm. like, he's like, he's like Luke Skywalker, but less stupid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so his first appearance was in The Force Awakens, and he's played Woo! by John Boyega, another one. What a homie. We love John Boyega. Yes. He's great. Um, so he originally trained with the Batch 8 before joining the FN Corps, a sub-branch of the Stormtrooper Corps. And although his potential was recognized by his commanding officers, FN-2187 lacked the ruthlessness that had become common in the ranks under the influence of Captain Phasma. Um, in the waning days of the Cold War, Cold War. Okay, that's what they called it because the Civil War was the um, Galactic Civil War, which was A New Hope, like that trilogy. Ah. They called this one the yeah. Cold War. Yeah, but until okay. until it actually became violent and people started like really fighting, it was like the. It was like the Cold War. Okay. Yeah. Um, so in the, it just caught me off guard because the Cold War is like a real war <laughs> that no, actually it's happened. Civil war. I know, but like Civil Galactic War makes, I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> so in the, I don't know. Anyway, in the waning days of the Cold War, he, he hesitated to kill civilians during his first mission and consequently decided to desert after witnessing the massacre of Tanul. Mm-hmm. Lacking experience as a pilot, FN-2187 freed a resistance prisoner, Commander Poe Dameron, who coined the nickname Finn to supplant the renegade stormtrooper's alphanumeric designation. Jesus Christ. That is a lot of big words. (laughs) Yeah, welcome to um, the SAT version of Fan Fatales. I know, seriously. (laughs) Um, So, basically, for those of you who didn't get that, because I barely did. Um, <laughs> Poe gave Finn, Finn his name. nickname Finn because he wanted to like get rid of his like stormtrooper past basically and be like, yeah. nah, that's not important. You're Finn now. Mm-hmm. Which like, mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. Um, so Finn then sought his own freedom while forming friendships with the Jakku scavenger Ray and the droid BB-8, as well as the rebel war heroes of Han Solo and Chewbacca. After the destruction of the New Republic, Finn provided the Resistance with the information they needed to destroy the First Order superweapon, Starkiller Base. During the attack, he was defeated and nearly killed by the Dark Warrior Kylo Ren. Rescued by Rey and Chewbacca, Finn recuperated from his injuries, and by the time he awoke, the Resistance was forced to evacuate their base on Dakar. Despite attempting to escape from the conflict once more, a mission with Rose Tico convinced Finn to truly join the resistance to an extent where he nearly sacrificed his life for their cause during the Battle of Crate and 34 ABY. In 35 ABY, Finn continued assisting the resistance by joining Rey on the quest to find the Sith Wayfinder and destroy the Malevolent Regent once and for all, eventually becoming a general along with Poe after Leia's passing, with his first mission as a general being spent leading the ground forces during the Battle of Exegol. Yep. What a king. Um, so the next one we'll talk about is also an ex-stormtrooper. What a coincidence. And it's Jana, um, whose first appearance was in The Rise of Skywalker. She was portrayed by Naomi Aki. And her story, which is very short, 
um, as she was only in one thing so far, um, was she was a freedom fighter who, by the time of the First Order Resistance War, led a tribe of warriors on the ocean moon um, of Endor, I believe. Um, sometime later, she became an ally of the Resistance. Um, she uses an energy bow, and Finn was ple um, pleasantly surprised by her story as prior to meeting her, he was unaware that there were others like him who had defected from the First Order, and Janna and her crew assisted Finn um, during his um, leading the ground forces of the Battle of Exegol um, and taking down the Sith's Eternal Fleet, the Final Order. Yeah! Woo! And now she's maybe going on an adventure with um, Lando Calrissian. Yeah! Woo. I mean, she's also, like, really pretty, too. <laughs> She is. Um, so next is my girl, who is only at Galaxy's Edge theme park, so we don't have, obviously, like, portrayed by this actress. But yes. it's Vi Marathi, um, who, whenever you see her, she has, like, dyed blue hair that's, like, real cool. Yeah, it's, like, half black, half blue, and then, like, the orange yeah. jacket. Yes. And, like, those bitchin' um, cargo pants. Yes. I love her so much. Every time I go to Batu, I have to see her. Um, but her story um, that I got from the Women of Star Wars book, or the, the Women of the Galaxy book, um, is before heading to Disney Parks, Star Wars Galaxy's Edge Waxfire Outpost on Batu, um, for a new mission by Marathi, the spy with the codename Starling, worked for General Organa's resistance to gather valuable information on the fearsome head of the storm... Um, Stormtrooper Corps, Captain Phasma. Um, her mission comes to the attention of one of Phasma's rivals within the First Order, Captain Cardinal, and it's his interrogation of her that provides the narrative structure of the novel Phasma. Um, author Delia S. Dawson describes Vimerati as, quote, like a female Poe Dameron, humor, ego, and talent, but with a dash of James Bond. She's a spy with a long list of allies and colored contact lenses, but she does admit to Cardinal that she only takes jobs that jibe with her um, heart and morals. Um, Vi's sure of herself and knows um, how to best put her skills to use. She's able to turn her interrogation into sort of a high-stakes game, parceling out information to keep herself alive while also taking inventory of Cardinal's sympathies, interests, and weaknesses. Even when under strain, she pays attention to her surroundings and looks for useful information she might be able to use to her advantage or share with the resistance, as no detail is too small, is her big belief. Mm-hmm. She's very similar to my, uh, quest character. Really? Yeah, like, at least in attitude. Not in looks at all. My quest character no. is neon pink, but, like... <laughs> I love that. Yeah, she's neon pink with, like, bleach blonde hair. It's really fun. Uh, but, like, same vibe, you know? Like, can't trust anybody, long list of aliases, you know, constantly, yeah. you know, like Han Solo, but meets meets Here James Bond. Is. Yeah. So then last but certainly not least, we have Reva, or also known as Third Sister. Yeah, the Third Sister. The Third Sister. Um, and her first appearance was on Obi-Wan Kenobi, and she was played by um, Moses Ingram. So Reva was she only a She has a Jedi. long story for only being in one show. I know. Well, they gave her so much backstory, and like there was like a whole episode that was just backstory true well i mean like not the whole episode but like the whole episode you're going back forth back forth back forth so anyway <laughs> um, reva was only a jedi youngling at the time of the great jedi purge and at the end of the clone wars she and her fellow initiates were at the jedi temple on coruscant at the time it was attacked by sith lord darth vader and his 501st legion she watched as her friends were slain and played dead amongst the bodies Years later, she resurfaced and joined the Inquisitors of the Galactic Empire, both of which had the Dark Lord counted amongst its leaders. Because she knew that Vader had been the Jedi Knight Anakin Skywalker before joining the Sith, um, Sevender christened as Third Sister, 
uh, became obsessed with locating her former Jedi Master and the fugitive Obi-Wan. former. Probably. Locating his former Jedi but Master. But it's not her... But it's not her Jedi Master. With locating his former Jedi Master. Anakin's got... Or oh! Obi-Wan Kenobi. That makes more sense. Okay. I guess we just learned that Reva's last name is Sevender. Yeah. Sevender is her last name. I don't know when it said. It's on Wikipedia. That's all that matters. Yeah. So that's her, that's her last name is Sevender. Um, so she was christened as third sister and became obsessed with locating Anakin's former Jedi Master, the fugitive Obi-Wan Kenobi, as a means of exacting revenge by entering the Dark Lord's good graces and assassinating him whilst he was fixated on Kenobi. To lure her Kaori out of hiding, the third sister arranged the kidnapping of Princess Leia Organa, daughter of Senator Bail Organa, who she believed would turn to his old ally for help. Though she came close to capturing Kenobi when, she, when he rescued Organa on Dayu, the third sister was prevented from doing so by the intervention of the Grand Inquisitor, who had enough of her rashness. This is the Grand Inquisitor whose ears, I said, looked like JBL speakers. Yes. Yeah. I remember that. Also, I figured out something else he looks like today. What? You know the new Apple AirPods, but they're not really pods, they're those headphones? Yes. That's what they look like. That's what he looks like. That's the problem of bringing some of these, like, Rebels and Clone Wars characters to live action. It doesn't work. Cad Bane really worked when they brought him in. Cad Bane was good, and, like, there were a few others that kind of worked, but ones like this, I just... That are not, like, humanoid characters. I mean, he is a humanoid, he's just... They're missing parts, you know, that are, like, quintessential of being a human. I meant, like, non-alien... Like, an actual human body that, like, you could cast someone that looks like oh, Saw yeah. or... Um, I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah. for Bo-Katan, it was literally her voice actress. Yeah. Got to play her. Well, I mean, she looks just like her. They yeah. made her look like the actress. Yeah. But, like, I don't know. It's just there's so many of these, like, these, like, Rebels and Clone Wars characters. Like, when they bring them into the live action, it's like, it just doesn't work. I'm scared for Zeb. Because he's probably going to be in the Ahsoka show. No words. I just... <sighs> I'm scared about Zeb coming into live action. <laughs> so, anyway. Um, <laughs> having been notified of his old mentor's resurgence, Vader offered the third sister the opportunity to prove herself worthy of assuming the position of Grand Inquisitor at his side if she found the Jedi Master. Kenobi was tracked to Mapuzo, where the third sister discovered that he had help from a Jedi ferrying network known as the Hidden Path. There, she took Organa hostage once again to root both Kenobi and his new allies out of hiding. With the princess in captivity and the fortress inquisitors on Nur, the third sister laid another trap for the Jedi Master when he and the Path member um, Tala Durant infiltrated... Yeah infiltrated the base to rescue the young girl the third sister planted a tracking device on argana's droid l-o-l-a-5-9 and allowed kenobi yeah and allowed kenobi and dureth to escape with argana so that she could uncover the path impressed with her vader awarded the third sister the rank of grand inquisitor and had her oversee the attack on the path's headquarters on jabin there Third sister confronted Kenobi, who realized what her true intentions were. The Jedi Master convinced her that they could defeat the Emperor, the Emperor's fist together, giving her the chance to slay him with the seeming distraction provided by his and the Path's escape. The third sister made an attempt on the Dark Lord's life, but was outmatched and left for dead by him and the much-alive Grand Inquisitor. While lying in the dirt, Sevender found a transmitter that belonged to Kenobi, which played a message from Bail Organa detailing a boy under the protection of Owen Lars, who, along with Leia, was in danger of being discovered using information from that message, no longer an Inquisitor. A vengeance-hungry Sevender traveled to Tatooine to kill Luke Skywalker, one of the offspring of the unaware Vader who had been under Kenobi's watch. 
As she prepared to kill him, however, she realized that she would become like the Dark Lord and decided to return the boy to his guardians. Sevender was met again by Kenobi, and at his advice, she looked to let go of her past and move on with her life, leaving her ultimate fate a mystery. Bum, bum, bum! I'm sure we'll get a book or a show or something about her at some point. Or like Kenobi season two. Or Kenobi season two. Yeah. I kind of forgot that was greenlit. Yeah. Yeah, these are obviously just some. It's just a handful. Yeah, I tried to do, like, the largest names or, like, the most, like, kind of influential. Yeah, or, like, the most known. Yeah. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, Because, I mean, I couldn't find anything about Panaka's wife, but I also know that she's also from that same sector that he was from, and she's a black woman as well. Yeah. Obviously, there's um, Stila, Sagrera's sister, and so many others. Yeah. Tons, 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 tons. Even, um, well, if we're going into, like, voice actors and, like, actors, um, Maz Kanata was voiced by a black woman. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Which I didn't realize until, like, starting to, like, research for this. I was like, oh. oh really? Yeah. I don't That's know cool. what. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, hey. You never know till you know, right? Yeah. And hopefully, we've uh, shed a little bit of light on some pretty cool people. And some yeah. pretty shitty people. Honestly, a few of these people, I'm like, wow, you deserved exactly what you got. Yeah. I mean, some of them, like, it was just, like, kind of, like, what life handed to them. Like, Panaka, I'm sure, oh, if yeah. Padme had survived, he would have joined the rebellion with her. Oh, absolutely. He was a uh, huge supporter of her and all of her endeavors. A hundred percent. Well, we got a lot of fandom news to cover. And this is even all of what came out this past week. So originally we were going to record two episodes tonight. We're not anymore. Um, so next week's episode will be all of the um, Academy Award nominations that came out this week. Fun, 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 fun. Yeah. Let's go. So Kelly O'Hara and Brian D.R.C. James are going to lead the world premiere of the musical Days of Wine and Roses at the Atlantic Theater in New York coming May 5th through June 25th of this year. The musical is adapted from J.P. Miller's 1962 film and the original 1958 teleplay. And it's about a couple falling in love in 1950s New York and struggling against themselves to rebuild a family. That's really cute. Yeah. And I love both of those actors, so I'm so excited to see. Yeah, it'll be good. Yeah. Blair St. Clair is getting ready to hit the green room 42 stage in Legally Blair. I think it's her cabaret. Yeah. Um, Adrian Warren will lead Room on Broadway beginning in April at the James Earl Jones Theater. The full cast for Camelot on Broadway has been announced, including Dinkin Matthews, um, Taylor Trench, Fergie Phillip, and more. Um, get ready for some mouth-watering BBQ and all the fixings at Roundup Rodeo Barbecue, um, opening March 23rd at Toy Story Land at Hollywood Studios in the Walt Disney World Resort. A new movie musical starring Selena Gomez, Amelia Perez, will be begin filming in the spring this in paris yeah how fun i know right starting february 4th universal orlando annual pass holders can start to pick up their complimentary mardi gras pass holder magnet from either five and ten at universal studios florida or tune extra at islands of adventure James Monroe Inglehart to star in Broadway Aimed A Wonderful World in New Orleans and Chicago. Which is another, like, one of those biopic jukebox musicals. Of course. Yeah. Um, Disney on Broadway officially announced at Festival of the Arts at Epcot that they are working on a stage adaptation of Disney Pixar's Coco. They're also working on Hercules. 
They're also working on Hercules. It was just the new thing that was announced. Yes. And James Monroe, I go hearts in the off-Broadway tryout near you. Yeah. <laughs> A company sets dates and cities for North American tour launching in October of this year. So, and I'm sad to say that this is the last major casting announcement for the Percy Jackson and the Olympians television series first season, aka The Lightning Thief. And that was made um, known by Rick Riordan earlier today. Um, but Lance Reddick will be playing Zeus, Lord of the Skies, and Percy's father, Poseidon, is going to be played by Toby Ste- um, Steffens? I think so. I think so. But, guys, he's the son of Dame Maggie Smith, a.k.a. McGonagall, which when I found that out, I was like, <gasps> Yes, Another... Maggie Smith is a queen. Yeah, and I'm so excited to see him as Poseidon. Yeah, it's also, I'm good. loving the Council of the Gods so much because it's not. We're spanning like multiple different races and everything like that. Because in the books, the gods just appeared however they wanted to be. Yeah, I kind of like that though. That like he didn't like define what they looked like. It was just kind of like. Yeah, what my you favorite, and I know them? I've told you about this, is Aphrodite. It's more yes. of like the eye of the beholder kind of thing where. Yes. It goes from, I believe, like, looking like Percy's childhood crush to Annabeth. Yeah. When he's looking at her. Um, but, yeah, so, like, um, Lance Reddick is a black man. We have um, Lin-Manuel Miranda, a Puerto Rican man. Like, all these different, like, ethnicities and heritages and all that stuff that is just going to be... I'm so excited. Yeah, I think it's going to be good. Yeah. Plus, like, then we'll get to hear Lin-Manuel Miranda be like, Yo, man, I don't know what you're talking about. Yo, Luke, why you turn evil? Yeah. But, like, you gotta do... We gotta get that guy on TikTok who sounds just like him. Yes! We gotta get him to do something. And just, like, do the voice of Lin-Manuel Miranda. Be like, like, like something he would say. I'm sorry. I'm not gonna take him seriously. There's a really interesting scene where Hermes is yelling at Annabeth in one of the later books. I want that guy to voice Lynn doing it because it's about his son and like him blaming her for turning him, for him turning to the dark side basically when it's really like his relationship with his father. Oh wow. So it's like them arguing with each other and he's like It's going to be Lynn Manuel yeah. Miranda. What else like <laughs> Yeah. No, oh, I'm excited. This will be funny. It'll it'll be very hard to take seriously. Yes. So, last but not least, Outer Critics Circle has announced dates for the 2023 Outer Critics Circle Awards, and they are planning to remove gender specifications from acting categories. So, what does that mean? Rather than saying, like, best best actress, best actor, it'll be So, what they're doing is Outer um, Critics Circle does Broadway and Off-Broadway Awards. Mm -hmm. So, they're doing... Best performer in a leading role in a Broadway musical and then a yeah. off Broadway musical. Exactly. Instead of actor, actress. Yeah. It'll just say best performer or best yeah. leading performer. But they're best now separating performer. Broadway and off Broadway because before yeah. it was combined. So they're yeah. still having the same amount of acting awards. It's just being split up by if your show's on Broadway or off Broadway. Rather than gender. Which is kind of cool. And then I feel like it's a little bit more fair. I agree. I feel like that's a lot more fair. (laughs) Yeah. I like that they're doing that. Maybe some more award shows will do that someday. Mm -hmm. But yeah. So. Well. Yeah. That's it. The outro. Yeah. Okay. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Fanfit House. We are a proud part of the Real Fans Podcast Network. That's right. And if you want to check out more shows on the network, you can find them at rf4rm.com. Join us next week where we will be comparing the Disney version of fairy tales compared to the original stories that they are based on. And trust me, they're dark. <laughs> yeah, I think there were two characters I couldn't find like any prior um story to i think it was moana and merida 
Well, we'll see. Yeah. So remember to subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. And subscribe to us on YouTube. Please leave us a review and comment down below to tell us what you thought of the show. And remember to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at FanPatalsPod for the latest updates. Now, Emma, where can the people find you on social media? So my Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter are all at SmithyEmma, which is S-N-I-P-P-Y-E-M-M-A. What about you, Gabs? I'm at Gabby Gent, pretty much everywhere. That's going to be G-A-B-Y-J-E-N-T. Our editing is by the wonderful Carolyn Meyer. And as always, thanks for tuning in. Bye. Bye. This is Christmas episode now, but we're going to get around. <laughs>